This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. Uh, my name is Jeff Nix. I'm head of content and research, and I'm joined today by Ed Ellsbury of Reveal USA. Ed, thanks so much for joining me. Jeff, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So, Reveal USA, can you tell me a little bit about what your organization does and how it helps supply chain executives? Sure. We help organizations optimize and maximize the use of SAP to improve inventory performance, service levels, operating efficiencies operational costs and decision-making. Our approach is to educate and empower improving the performance of the people, the processes, the data, and the utilization of SAP. We've helped a wide range of organizations including the United States Navy, Campbell Soup, Huntsman Chemicals, and Borg Warner. I know a lot of supply chain executives are, are coming up to reveal uh, at the event here. What are some of the conversations you're having? What are some of the trends you're hearing about? What are they interested in talking about? Sure. Some of the conversations, a lot of the conversations around how do I drive improved efficiencies? How do I automate more of my operations? How do I improve service levels through the use of, of SAP? So at an operational level, those are a lot of the conversations that we're having. I would say at a strategic level, uh, supply chain leaders are talking about how to increase digitalization, leveraging more of that outer edge technology like AI, Internet of Things, blockchain, robotics, things of that nature. There are a lot of trends to be discussed. What would you say is the, the biggest or, or most important one for you guys? I would say by far the largest trend or conversations that we're having is around the vulnerabilities that were exposed in the supply chain by the pandemic. This includes sourcing strategies, moving from single source to multiple sources in procuring materials. This would include allocations in order fill management and prioritizations. It also includes demand and supply planning, effectiveness and efficiency uh, and speed. So the pandemic showed us that we have to move beyond resiliency and get to agility. And, and it's the agility that we want to achieve as a supply chain leader. Because agility means making timely decisions using the information that's available to us and making those decisions up and down the supply chain, not just at the very top, but all the way through the supply chain where people are actually interacting with the information and the situations at hand. It's making small and quick adjustments to meet the changing market demands and the market changes that we've just went through. And it's having the ability to course correct to achieve different outcomes using the information and addressing those potential breakdowns that have occurred almost in every supply chain across the globe due to the pandemic. Yeah, I, I appreciate the example. I think that's something a lot of supply chain executives, as they're listening to this podcast, are going to say, you know, that's, that's true of me too. So in these conversations that you're having with people who are living and breathing their data all the time, you know, what surprises you? Like what comes up that you're just like, oh, wow, really? There's, there's probably two, and, and they're related. It, the first one is how many companies operate using spreadsheets as their source of truth and planning tool despite investing millions of dollars in their, their systems. The second one, again related, is how much opportunity exists for companies to achieve tangible, sustainable business value if they just utilized their systems and their data more effectively. And, and the reason they don't is just because they don't know how to do it. I mean, technically the system was implemented, 
but functionally we never were really educated and empowered on how to use it. And thus, we at Reveal have a growing business educating and empowering organizations in the smart use of SAP. Improving agility, it's a big issue. Um, I think some people can sort of get lost in the weeds of, of where to start or how to build some structure into what they're doing. Are there steps in mind? Like when, when you're having these conversations, how does that conversation usually go? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think uh, fundamentally or foundationally, there, there's probably four steps that every single organization could, could participate in. And what's the first one? Um, the first place is breaking that legacy mindset of this is the way that we've always done it. You know, I think it was Albert Einstein that said, we cannot solve problems with the same thinking that got us into the problems to begin with, right? So it's, it's kind of the, the funny thing about agility and creativity and innovation is it doesn't usually happen unless we work at it, unless we change the things that we've been doing to go after new problems. And, and this starts, again, with leadership. Leadership must challenge that traditional thinking of the way that we do business day to day and really challenge their teams on how could we do things different, what could we be leveraging and capitalize that's available to us today to make better decisions and address those, those market changes. So I would say breaking that paradigm, that, that mind shift is the first one. What would the second one be? Second one would be breaking down those functional silos that exist in most organizations and establishing a cross-functional team discipline that aligns with how we want to operate as a business from our processes and, and how our systems are set up. You know, the best part of ERP systems is they're an integrated end-to-end -end system. The biggest challenge of working with an ERP system is that they are integrated end-to-end. -end. And so it doesn't recognize the functional silos that exist. And what we need to do is work more cross-functionally as a team to address the problems that may occur, to address the different market changes, to take advantage of the opportunities in the marketplaces and using that information to, to address those types of, of challenges and opportunities. So I understand steps one and two. What would step three consist of? You know, one step that every organization could take is treating their systems and their data as a strategic asset. You know, if we want to improve decision making and we want to be able to take actions faster and more efficiently, then we must be able to get access and trust the data that we're seeing and then leverage the full range of our system to be able to take action, proper action, on those decisions. I think I follow what you're talking about. Could you illustrate that for me a little bit? Like our materials, our data flows end to end. And we need to ensure that this data is accurate and, and real time in order to be trustworthy. You know, we can't have old purchase orders, old sales orders, old production orders from years ago still in the system because when MRP runs, it's picking up that information and the results are clouded. Thus, our people don't trust it and start to move out of the system into spreadsheets. You know, master data, another set of data, needs to reflect reality and needs to be actively managed to support how we want to operate as a business. You know, if the pandemic showed us one thing, it's that markets can change. And so if we're changing, if the market is changing and our business needs to change, then we need the rules, the master data, to align with us and support how we want to operate as a business. So to be agile, we need to execute faster and more efficiently. We need to let the system do the heavy lifting so that our people aren't doing the heavy lifting. Let it do what it's designed to do and elevate our people to a point where they're adding more value, doing more planning and analyzing versus just transacting in the system. So to increase agility, you know, that third step is we need to treat the system and the data as a strategic asset.
you know, I was actually in a session this morning where they had a, an analyst from IDC speaking, and he just had one of these like great turns of phrase. He said, technology doesn't replace people. It replaces tasks. So the people aren't doing their old data entry job. They've been freed by the technology to do different tasks. Their old task went away. They're still there. I think that's terrific, and I think that's sort of what you're talking about here. Yeah, people are that fourth component for organizations and how to improve agility. And it's, you know, business leaders should be looking or asking themselves, how much am I investing into my people versus how much am I investing in the tools that my folks are supposed to be using? And in order to improve organizational agility, we need to improve the performance of our people. And this means investing in education. It's educating on how to manage that master data that I mentioned previously so that we have predictable results. We can automate more of our functionality and, and activities and that we can increase efficiencies. So it's this investment in education in order to raise the level of the competency of our people so that they're developing those critical thinking skills that are required to make better decisions. And it's how can we use the information and the system better so that you know, we can reduce what we like to call human struggle hours. Well, let me circle back here because now that I have a better understanding of uh, the challenges and some of the steps involved in, in getting better, what exactly is Reveal's role in that improvement? Sure. We, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we, we educate and empower. So our role is, is coming into organizations and helping them understand you know, where they have challenges from a very data-centric approach. It's where do they have gaps, where do they have opportunities, um, where could they be taking advantage of market changes if they just were to be able to utilize their people, their processes, and the utilization of data and systems more effectively. And so it's really, at the end of the day, extracting more value out of this investment that they made in SAP to improve inventory performance, to improve service levels, to improve decision making. What does that look like on the ground level? Yeah, at a, at a ground level or a base level, that's, that's talking about data integrity, as I mentioned. You know, is it timely? Is it accurate? Is it trustworthy in order to make better decisions? And Reveal's role in that is making sure that not only are we getting to a place where the data is, is now clean and trustworthy, but how do we keep it that way? And that's that accountability structures that we, we put into place to make sure that organizations keep a high level of, of data and the trustworthiness of the data. I feel like we're tap dancing around the issue of data a little bit. Um, you know, what are you really trying to say here? Yeah, I think there's, there's two types of data. There's the transactional data that I mentioned before that MRP is utilizing in order to make decisions and that's just part of what data is feeding in MRP. But then there's the, the business rules or the master data. So that's our planning strategies, that's our MRP types, that's our lead times. It's those types of things that we need to actively manage as market changes, as things change. You know, one good example I always use is going in and looking at lead times and a supplier lead time being set at seven days because when we implemented, we set seven days across most of our suppliers thinking we'd change it once, once we got to a point where we understood truly what our, our lead times were. But that master data never gets changed. And so you, you start to see, well, why are we constantly expediting certain orders, supplier orders from our suppliers? It's because the, the master data is telling us we've got a seven-day lead time. That's what MRP is using to make decisions. And the reality is our suppliers are now at 14 days or 21 days or 28 days 
but we never go and manage or change that master data and we find ourselves constantly expediting. So it's those types of things when we talk about data, the, the governance, the accountability, but it really is educating on when to change it, how to change it, why to change it. It's that critical thinking that we talked about earlier around data. You know, there's a lot of great content here, um, but I would be curious, how, how does anyone actually get started? I mean, uh, I'm interested in making a more agile supply chain. I'm interested in cleaning up my data. W what does day one look like? How do, how do I get started? Best way to get started that we have found is doing an assessment. And it really kind of frames the, the problem statement of what don't we know? And so we go in and our approach is a little bit unique. We take a data-centric approach. We really interrogate the system to tell us what's going on, to tell us the truth, following the information flow that I mentioned earlier from end to end. And through that, what we identify are where are there gaps? Where are there opportunities? What, what are you doing well? And, and we put together our findings and recommendations to address those. But also, we start to educate the group through feedback sessions through the week to start putting together that art of the possible and, and setting the stage of what you could be utilizing. Because through this assessment phase that we go through, we're exposing typically the organization to analytics, to reports, to capabilities that they didn't even know existed in their existing system. So that's part of it, is these feedback sessions that start to plant that seed of the art of the possible. Third thing that the assessment does is it provides a roadmap of improvement. What should we be doing first? You know, so we prioritize the steps in order to mature in the use of our systems and our people and our processes. And the fourth thing is the, the uh, business case for change. You know, what's the so what? We've gone all through this, we under identify what we need to do. So if we do this, what does this really mean to the business? So there's a business case that we develop in order to enact the, the change. So that's the, the best way to get started. Okay, so if I want to learn more or ask some questions, what's the best way to get in touch? You can go to our website at www.revealvalue.com. There's a contact us. Uh, we also have boot camps that are available, and you can find those on the website as well under the event tab. We also have developed a self-assessment, which allows you to go in, and, and I think it's 15 questions, to go in and kind of take a, a self-assessment of how mature you are uh, in the use of SAP in operating your business. So taking the self-assessment is, is probably one of the easiest and fastest ways to kind of get a gauge of, of where you're at and how to interact with us. Well, I have been to Reveal's website, and uh, it does look like there's a lot of interesting tools there. I'm interested in these, these boot camps sort of as a concept, like what an idea that you can try it on a little bit and just see how it works. Uh, I encourage everyone who's gotten this far in the podcast, I mean, you must be interested, please visit that website. Ed, thank you so much for your time today. Jeff, I really enjoyed it and appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. You've been listening to an episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. I've been Jeff Nix. Let's do it again soon. 